Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark, and today we are joined by royalty. Corey Ledette's family has been at the forefront of jazz, bebop, blues, and zydeco since the beginning. His grandfather, Buchanan, is known as the originator of the double-clutch drum pattern that defines zydeco. Corey started playing in his grandfather's footsteps as a zydeco drummer, playing professionally by the ripe old age of 10, but things really started to click for him when he took up the accordion. One of Corey's albums was nominated for a Grammy, and I think the only reason it didn't win was because Corey forgot to vote for himself. He has just released the 14th album of his band's 18-year career. Follow Corey Ledette, or Lede, he doesn't care, for information about the music. Buy the new album, Corey Ledette Zydeco, wherever you normally buy music. Buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety. Merchandise is available at performanceanx.threadless.com. Follow us at performanceanx on all the socials. Subscribe, rate, review. Now let's get stepping right into Corey Ledette on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Okay, let's give it a shot and let's see what we get. <laughs> hey, y'all, this is Corey Ledette Zydeco, and I'm here to promote my new album coming out on January 15th, 2021, entitled Corey Ledette Zydeco. And you're listening to Performance Anxiety right here. <laughs> that, that, that'll work for you? Everything's looking good on my end. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Just just chilling, trying to adjust to this new way of living we got. Oh, man, it's crazy, isn't it? Oh, man, I've never seen nothing like it. No, for, you know, fortunately, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I want to thank you for hopping on with me. And uh, do you live full-time in Louisiana? Yeah. yeah okay, that's so I want to apologize for the beatdown the other day. Oh, I'm, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm not really into sports. <laughs> oh, okay. Alabama beat the snot out of LSU last week. So. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I'm more of a wrestling fan. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Okay. So I've, I haven't, I haven't followed wrestling too much since my guy, uh, my favorite wrestler of all time was Chris Jericho. Oh yeah. Yeah. I used to love him and I guess he does more of his music now. So. Well, I think he's, uh. I don't know if he's running it, but he's on another um, wrestling company. I think it's AEW. Oh, cool. They come on on Tuesday or Wednesday on TNT or TNN, something like that. I will have to check that out because I used to love him. Yeah. Just was, look, um, I think it's AEW wrestling. Oh, man. I will definitely have to check that out. And now I'm going to have to tag him in the uh, posts for this. And uh, maybe I can get him on, too. Oh, that'd be cool. (laughs) (laughs) So this is one of the first times I've had, I would say, royalty on the podcast. Because in looking you up and reading about you, you, your family goes way back in Zydeco. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, literally generations. Yeah, exactly. And then, and not just in Zydeco, but in early jazz um ragtime music bebop i mean uh blues rock and roll that's amazing <laughs> so which i guess you, i guess that explains why i like so many different styles of music and i definitely i'm gonna ask you about that because I've, i want to know how you got to where you are today and the first thing i usually ask anybody is how old were you when you first really started getting into music and what was playing around the house uh, well, Zydeco was 
uh, Zydeco and Blues actually was the the music that was played around the house a lot. Okay. And I think I was about maybe seven or eight. And then I, I saw an old set of drums in the garage one day. Uh-huh. And so I asked my dad, I was like, what is that? And that's when he was explaining to me that those belong to his dad, my grandfather, because he was a drummer. Wow. Because I, I always knew my dad played drums, too. But at that time, I didn't know anything else. I'm just eight years old or whatever. Yeah. So he sets up the drums. He said, get back there and try them out. So he sets them up and I'm just making noise. I'm not, it's not making sense. Right. 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 Like, pow, pow. So then eventually I started picking up little beats. And then what my dad did was he got me a, a real drum set because we didn't want to destroy, you know, the, cause it was so old already. Yeah. So we didn't want to like, Mess it up to where it wasn't no good no more. Yeah, you you don't want to destroy your your grandfather's legacy. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> so he put those back up, cleaned them up, put them back up, and he got me a, a real set of drums. And I was still practicing outside in the garage. And then my mom, because see, I I grew up in Houston. Okay. My dad, my dad is from Parks, Louisiana, so that's where all the musical side comes from. Okay. Um, but he left Louisiana just like a lot of people at that time. Well, actually, before his time, but his time as well, looking for work. Uh-huh. So a lot of people went to Houston, the big city. A lot of people went to California, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But he went to Houston. So he went to Houston, met my mom. Then me and my brother came along. So growing up in Houston, we had, you know, a bunch of neighbors and the houses were real close together. Okay. Uh, it wasn't like in the country where you just out in the yeah. woods, <laughs> be as loud as you want, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so my mom was like, no, bring those drums inside. Just bring them inside. <laughs> so I started practicing inside and yeah, man. Uh, my dad was just telling me about all the, the musical talent we had in in the family. And it was just so nonchalant. I mean, like, yeah, we play drums and this and that. And But for me, I was like, that's that's good information for me, you know? Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's in your blood, you know? Yeah. And as I grew up, I started learning more about it. And then uh, one time we had came to Louisiana for, to, for a visit. And on the way back, we stopped at this place that uh sold Buddha and cracklins called the best stop oh yeah yeah and they had these toy accordions okay so my dad bought the toy accordion for me got back home started picking that up and the next thing you know i started playing the accordion wow man so it's so how old were you when you started picking up the accordion that was uh see about eight that must have been around 10 wow see i don't that's so wild to me because I don't think of 10 year old kids looking at an accordion and going, I want to play that. I'm thinking, you know, drums. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The crap out of drums, playing some <laughs> guitar, singing. But a, yeah. accordion is not something I see an eight year old being drawn to. Well, it was it was like a toy for me. It was like, screw the He-Man action figure. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that's a better toy. And it, it got more fun the more I started picking it up. Oh, wow. Okay. I kept the drums up. And then my dad started getting back into it. Then my uncle, he was a drum major for Grambling State. That's impressive. Yeah, so he was a drummer too. Our cousin, uh, Harold Poche Jr., was uh, Bobby Blue Bland's drummer. Wow with Bobby Blue Bland and he played with B.B. King for a while. Oh my God. So, you mean, you're definitely royalty at this point. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and and you, then, uh, so, another cousin played with um, Albert Collins. Ooh. Another cousin played with Ike and Tina Turner. Oh my God. And all that comes from Parks, Louisiana. That's incredible. 
Wow. I looked up some of this stuff. I got some of this information and I didn't even get all of that. I got a certain thing. Like I saw that your grandfather Buchanan played drums with uh, Clifton Chenier. Did I pronounce yeah. that right? Chenier? Chenier. Chenier, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was, he's considered Zydeco's first drummer and invented the double clutching yeah. pattern. Right, right. So when Clifton, uh, when Clifton started doing the, uh, the Zydeco, he started playing the big piano accordion. Okay. And the, why he did that is because he could play any kind of music he wanted to. The, the little small accordions yeah. are really limited. So he went for the big piano accordion. That way he could still play his old French music and rock and roll and, and jazz and all that stuff that he grew up listening to. Ah. So when he came up with the idea of putting a band together, he already had his brother on washboard. It was them two at first. Brings in a guitar player and he brings in my grandfather. This is all at the beginning, not like in the 40s. Wow. All in the, at the beginning. And my, so my grandfather played drums with him for a while. And then when Clifton started, you know, getting bigger and bigger, my grandfather was a... Uh, kind of winding down he was kind of up there in age by that time okay but he didn't want to leave his family he was a family man he didn't want to leave his kids and then that's when uh robert st julian came in to clifton shinner's band and he stayed there to the end and, oh wow and then meanwhile while clifton was gone rockin Dupsy senior came up and then my grandfather played with him wow jeez. and then he went off to do bigger things and got his son on drums and then here comes farsano and my grandfather's playing with drums with him with Furnace arsenal Jeez. So he's playing with all the big names back then. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I, I've got a question. You mentioned the accordion, and, and you got to forgive me a little bit here. I'm going to be going, I'm going to be jumping all over the place because I'm, <laughs> I'm really new to Zydeco, still fairly new to Cajun and Creole music mm -hmm. and stuff. You know, I've had a few people on, people you're, you're familiar with, like uh, yeah. Louis Michaud. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but so I'm still learning a lot. Okay. Concerning the accordion, I found out there's three types, and, and I, can you describe the difference? The, the single note, triple note, and piano key? Yeah, um, there are several different accordions, but I think the most, the, the three most common for Creole Zydeco music would be the single row. And the single row is basically like a, a big harmonica. It's, it, there's uh, there's a block of reeds on the inside. Okay. And the bellows is the, is uh, pushing the air, and and those reed blocks are is literally played like a harmonica, it's uh, like a harmonica. Okay. And the bellows is the air, so that's like breathing into a harmonica. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and then they have the four stops at the uh, at the top of the recording just to kind of close off different banks and change the tone, basically. Okay. That's all that is. And then you actually have a, a double note before you get to the triple note, you have a double note, which is uh, two rows. So it's the same thing. So it, it, um, you have two different keys. So the single note is just one key. Okay. Cause that's the one row, but uh, you can still, you can still play in a few different keys, you know, with that one row, but it's very limited. Okay. So then you move up to the double row, you get a little more, uh, a little more arm links there, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then you Wings go to fan. The, yeah exactly <laughs> you go up to the three row you get even more right wow okay and then the piano note that's just you could play anything in the world because it's just a piano oh, wow it. so is that the one you see like a lot of polka guys using and yeah it's, it's popular in polka music oh, okay okay that makes okay so that that makes a lot more sense to me now yeah okay and then, like, the piano note has all the keys because, like I say, it's just a piano. 
That's, oh, that's really wild. You know, because I, I grew up with rock, you know, just guitars, bass, and, drums, and there's, yeah. you, know, you, you can go uh, six string, 12 string, double neck. You know, you, you're a little limited with that. And with, with accordions, I had no idea there was so much variation. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the big dad of them all is the, the piano. <laughs> they, they do have a, a chromatic uh, kind, which is a five row accordion. Oh, my and gosh. It, it looks like a, a triple note, but, you know, five rows. Wow. And it's played differently from uh, triple notes. A triple note, double note, and a single note are diatonic, which that means each button has a different sound push and pull. Okay. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah, so it's different uh, push and pull. Okay. Piano note is the same note, push and pull. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. And the chromatic accordion is the same way. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Now that I had no idea about. Yeah. <laughs> that okay, that's wild. So so you're you're not even hitting double digits and you're playing drums and accordion now. Yeah. <laughs> and I read and, and tell me if this is accurate, because I read when you were ten, you actually started drumming live you know on stage with with bands yeah so um there there's a obviously there's a big uh zydeco community in houston right with everybody that left louisiana so they still had dances and church uh church dances and zydeco bands playing at restaurants and everything so my dad brings me to this uh restaurant that um, another zydeco band was playing that guy's name was lc Donata. Okay. And he was an older guy. He must at that time he must have been probably in his sixties at that time. Wow, like ten. So I was going to see like the older guys play, and my dad said, "My son is learning how to play drums. You mind if he, you know, play a song?" I'm like, yeah, bring him up here. Wow. So sat in with him, and then there was another gentleman there that night by the name of Mr. Wilbert Thibodeau. He saw me, and he had, he has his own band, Wilbert Thibodeau and the Zydeco Rascals. So That's awesome. <laughs> He saw that and he was uh, at the time he needed a drummer. So he come up, he comes up to my dad. He's like, hey, I'm Mr. Wilbur Thibodeau. I'm looking for a drummer. You think your son want to play regular? And he's like, I'm pretty sure he would. <laughs> Ten years old. Yeah. So and it, it picked up from there. We went to a couple of rehearsals and did our first gig. I'll never forget. The first gig was at uh, Magnolia Bar and Grill in Houston. OK. And it was first gig as a musician. Right. I made it all the way through to like the last 30 minutes of the gig and my leg starts cramping up. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) But after that, I was good. I just basically, I had to condition my body to do that kind of work. And after that, we was rolling. God, man, that's something I don't even, I never would have thought about. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Poor 10 year old Corey sitting there playing the drums and your leg cramping up. Oh yeah. my gosh. And then he, he told me, it was funny, he used to call me Banana Man because he would say, eat your banana before the gig. That's going to give some potassium. <laughs> oh <laughs> so my gosh. Every gig I'm sitting there after I finish setting up, I'm eating a banana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I guess Banana Man didn't stick though. No, it didn't stick. <laughs> <laughs> it might after this podcast, who knows? Well, you never know. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you a better nickname than that. Yeah. <laughs> when did you actually move, end up moving back to Louisiana? Because you're saying you used to go back during the summers? Yeah, the summers I was always coming over here. You know, holidays, birthdays, special occasions, festivals, stuff like that. You know, back and forth my whole life. Okay. But after I finished high school, 
um, which I finished in 2000. Um, I stayed in Houston like a little while longer, but then in 2002, like I think it was the fall of 2002, that's when I moved to Louisiana. And then the next year, uh, January 03, that's when I started the band here. So okay. next month, it'll be 18 years I started the band here. Wow. And we're releasing the album the same month, 18 years later. That's, oh, that is awesome. <laughs> that is so cool. I love when stuff like that just kind of falls into place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Creole and, and, and that's in Zydeco, I mean, that's not just the music. You actually really have immersed your whole life around that culture. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, like I said, I mean, just because we're in Houston, a lot of people, you know, they say they're, they're like, well, we didn't know there's a lot of, you know, Louisiana culture in Houston. But like I said, there is there's a, a part of Houston that's called Frenchtown, which that's all the Creoles there. Uh. So even growing up in Houston, you know, we, we're still around it. But I wanted to come here and really just be around it on a daily basis. Yeah. Just immerse yourself in it. Yeah, exactly. Like, like listen to it on the radio every day in Houston. It was only like a certain day for a certain time. Right. Uh, but in Louisiana, you know, you could turn on the TV, you might see somebody playing on TV or turn the radio on and, oh, and yeah. just pop the song on or just anything like that, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to be in the middle. I just want to be in the middle of all that stuff. <laughs> How old, now, when, when did that desire really start to kick in for you? How old were you? Well, or has it always been there? Well, in middle school, I must have been about maybe 14 or uh, about 14 or 15. I, I knew I wanted to play music for a living. OK, so that was that was it. And then, uh, like I said, uh, around the time I graduated high school, that's when I really decided, OK, look, I'm done with school. I'm going. Right. Oh, wow. OK, so you're going drumming, you know, drumming at 10 years old wasn't that didn't cement it for you. No, I had a good time. <laughs> Actually, I learned how to do a lot of things by that. Uh, well, first of all, just just uh, it conditioned my body yeah. to, to do that because that's just like playing a guitar or bass. Your fingers have to be you got to build up those callus. So it's got to be conditioned yeah. to, to do what you're trying to do. And then Miss um, Thibodeau taught me how to read an audience. Oh, OK. Tell me about that. Yeah. He, he would say, read the audience. When, when you say whenever you start your band, read your audience. Don't just get up there and just play anything. Get up there, read your audience and, and know what to play, when to play it. Wow. And that that helped me out a whole lot. That's like, really interesting. Know, know where you are. Like, for example, if if we played some place where it was predominantly older people, he knew not to play all fast music. Like he knew to slow it down a little bit. That's a good point. Yeah, and if it was all young people, they had nothing but energy. You can pump it all night. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but know where you are. That way, that audience that you're playing for that day will be satisfied. That's, you know, that's... I never thought about it. I'm not a professional musician, so I never thought of something like that. That's really... Yeah. yeah. That's a really important thing to know. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you don't just... I learned that yeah. long time. <laughs> Jump up there and do whatever. Yeah, you don't want to kill a bunch of old people with all that up-tempo stuff. Yeah, and if it's a bunch of young people, you don't want to be slow. And you're like, what you doing, man? <laughs> exactly. So you don't want to kill old people. You don't want to bore the young people. Yeah, so you got you to know your audience. Does the, uh, does the interest in, in this and in, in the immersion for you in, in Creole and Zydeco, does that expand into things like the food? and Because and I know you've got a song called Boudin, man. Oh, no, Boudin, man. What? 
Superman, food would definitely be my kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the 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 Creole food is just is is so good. I mean, you can almost make anything out of anything, and if you know what you're doing, yeah. Like gumbo is basically just a bunch of stuff put in there, you know. I know what the, the translation actually is, or something like that. It, it, actually, gumbo means okra. Oh, okay. So then, it may, and, I guess it was something else I was thinking of. Yeah, g- gumbo actually means okra, and okay. okra comes from Africa. Okay. Yeah. And then I used to live in South Alabama, mm-hmm. and uh, I used, used to go over a little bit, and I'll tell you the one thing that I absolutely loved. Well, one of the things, community coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of my favorite things, and I can't get it anywhere else. Oh, it's man. so hard to find outside that's of Louisiana. That. He would drink that over here like water. Oh, I know that that, that chicory coffee. Oh man. Yeah. Um, the um, Cafe Brulot. I love Cafe Brulot with a beignet. That's. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's hard to beat that kind of food. It really is, man. I, I'd be like four hundred pounds if I lived there. Man, it's tough, man. I'm telling. You. <laughs> That's why you got to get on stage and play that Zydeco and play that yeah. upbeat stuff. You got to burn that off. Yeah. <laughs> Then so you, you got the boudin, you got jambalaya, you got uh, all kind of stuff. <laughs> do you now? Do you cook any of it, or do you just eat it? Um, actually, I'm just now starting to learn how to do different dishes. Oh, cool! How to do a uh, crawfish etouffee? Oh, that's one of my favorites. It's it's so simple. I thought it was harder than that. It just takes a little while to cook, but it's not hard. It's that, not hard. That's it. see, I, I live up in Virginia now. It's hard for me to get the, the crawdads. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the that's the hard part. You got you got to import. <laughs> yeah, be a little expensive then. Yeah, when I lived in Alabama, it was easy, but yeah. I never thought about making it. I you know I would just buy somebody else else's version of it. Exactly, exactly. And then there's a lot of other dishes that uh, my dad told me about, like when they grew up, because he grew up, like I said, he grew up in parks, but they grew up, you know, poor in the country. Yeah. So they would put things together and crazy the stuff tastes good together oh that's like, awesome like for crackling they uh the way they would do it they would take crackling and put it with some bread and pour some syrup on top of it really and i would have never thought about doing that but i tried it just to see i'm like yeah i better not eat too much of this <laughs> this <is> good yeah <laughs> i'm gonna like to try that it's like the, the sweetness and the salt coming together that's... and the bread just fills you up oh man <laughs> You see, I'm getting, I'm getting way just thinking about that. <laughs> Man. So you moved back to, to Louisiana. How did you get the band together? When, when did you start playing? I mean, did you start playing immediately and searching for, for, for band members as soon as you got there? Uh, I started going to jam sessions first. Okay. And, uh, I was hanging out with, uh, Mitch Reed uh, as a fiddle player. Okay. And he introduced me to a lot of musicians. And the whole time I was in Houston, I would get documentaries of, you know, the, the music and everything. Yeah. So like Mitch Reed on there, I would see, you know, the Savoirs, I would see the Arduans and, you know, just everybody in there like that. So when I came over here, everybody was a celebrity to me. And Mitch was just, he was taking me around and, and meeting people. And my cousin that plays Robo with me now, 
uh, Greg Pochett, he was introducing me to a lot of people. And then I knew a lot of people before just through the music. Oh, yeah. And, and being there over the summers and all for the... For... Yeah, yeah. So I just, I just kind of knew some people already and okay. it just kind of built up and then a few little gigs started popping up and popping up and I would call people to come play and that's how it started. Now, you said the band has been together for 18 years? It'll be 18. 18 uh, January? Yeah. How has the band changed over the years? Have you had have there been a lot of uh, turnover in the band, or is it pretty much the same the core group? Well, r- running running a band is definitely what I've learned before. When I was younger, I thought it would be so cool, right, to yeah. run a band. But then when I realized running a band is actually work, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to deal with employees, yeah, and mentalities and stuff like that. Yeah, so we've had a couple speed bumps. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you have to love what you do in order to, you know, stay with it. So yeah. the fact that I love this so much, I'll I'll take all that. I'll just I'll take the good with the bad. I want to know a little bit more about this. Zydeco when me just just surface level getting into it at this point. Mm-hmm. The Zydeco that I've heard sounds kind of similar to some old Zydeco. But mm-hmm. I know it ha- it's it's progressed. How has yeah. it changed? You know, since you've been involved in it, and since listening to maybe you know some of the older stuff compared to to stuff that you're doing, how is it evolving? Um, it's changed uh, as far as musicianship. Um, okay. uh, we're learning more chords now and different chord progressions, okay. and basically um, putting everything together, like incorporating the music of today into what we're doing. Uh, it's just like Clifton Chenier. He, that's the same recipe he was doing back in his day, like the 40s and 50s and 60s. He was taking a lot of the, the popular music at the time and playing it. But he would what he would do, what a lot of people aren't doing today, he would take like a Ray Charles song, mm-hmm. right? So play it on accordion, but sing it in French. Ah, oh, cool. Sing it in French and then put like a, a danceable beat behind it. Okay. You know, and then that's what he did. And a lot of people thought that all those songs that Clifton did was originals, but a lot of them were covers that he flipped and put in French. That's clever. Yeah. And that's, that's and again, that that's so cool because he could do that, but then flip back and do traditional music and sing it in French on accordion. So he was going back and forth all the time, back and forth. So today we're putting like R&B stuff in there and, and everything like that. The only thing... I think that we're lacking is the French. I think if we could put more French in there, I think that'd be great. So like this album here that's coming out now, yeah, this first album that I'm doing where a half of it is in Creole French. I wanted, I was going to ask you about that because I love the version of I'm Walking that you're doing. Yes, exactly. I take that song and flip it and put it in French. That was so cool. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. 
you know, I don't, I don't know French. I don't know Creole. You know, I, so I'm, I'm, I see the title and then I see I'm walking and I'm like, okay, okay. So I put it on and let's do it. And I'm like, wait a second. I know this. <laughs> exactly. This is cool. And that's, that's the reaction that, that we're looking for right there. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, it's like, you, you know, it, like you say, you know it, but now you're learning. You're also learning it as well. Yeah. Learning French because you already know the English version. So now you get to hear what it sounds like in French. Exactly. And, like, and it's a whole new twist on it. If, I mean, it's a whole new twist on it in two ways, because if you know the original, the Fats Domino version, this mm. is completely different. And mm. if, if you know and, and like Zydeco, then you, it's different for you in, in that respect. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. That is awesome. So you've got, I, I, I heard another story. And I want to know, I want you to okay. tell me a little bit about this because I heard that you used to go to uh, Clifton Chenier's grave and play yeah. the accordion. Yeah. And then something so, happened. Yeah. So what I was doing um, while I was in Houston, I was getting um, trained by my other cousin, Leon Sam of the Sam Brothers Five Zydeco band. Okay. Which they were like the first kid band in the seventies. And he did a, a lot of Clifton stuff like to the, to the T. Like okay. at that time, everybody thought he was Clifton Chenier, you know, junior. You oh, know, wow. So anyway, he was training me while I was in Houston. But then when I moved to Louisiana, I was still kind of studying his music. And what I would do when I would get stuck, I would go to his grave. So um, I found his grave in Lowerville. Wow. I went to his grave and what I would do, I would just sit on top of the tomb and try to figure out what he was doing right there. And it started coming to me. Wow. So one particular day, I think it had rained the day before or early that morning. So there was a puddle of water around the grave. So as I'm playing and kind of picking it up just around his tomb, it was bubbling. The water was bubbling. Wow. Around his, not, not around anyone else. Just just his. It was bubbling. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> that's that's kind of creepy. Yeah, I didn't know if he was excited or mad. So. <laughs> <laughs> So either way, know. either way, something happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was in the daytime, so I was all right. If that happened at night, I'd probably have to pack up. <laughs> oh, my God. I'd have been out there like yeah. a shot. <laughs> but that was cool, though. Like I said, I don't, I don't know if that, like you said, I don't know if that would be creepy or, or awesome. I think I would just oh. be confused at that point. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know he ain't breathing underneath there. But <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> not at this point. <laughs> hey, not dead yet. Yeah, man. So, right, so the album that's that's out this January is that your? Is it the fourteenth album? Yeah, the, my fourteenth one. Wow, and it, yeah. and you've been putting out albums since the early two thousands. Uh, the first one came out in I think oh four, oh. and that was called Three Years Too Late. Wow, it, this will be technically twenty twenty one. So that's what uh, fifteen years. No, uh, 17 years. My math is terrible. My wife yeah. is the mathematician in the house. So 17 years, <laughs> you put out 14 albums. Yeah. That's impressive. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh. I, I, I like doing it. It's fun. That's, yeah. And, it, it, and that, you know, that's a great point because it's a fun musical style. It's a yeah. fun genre. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, like I said, it's still a business, so you still have to treat it as such. But yeah. for me... I just love to do it. I love coming up with the ideas and be like, this can make a good song. And then working it out, putting it together, then taking it to the studio and messing with the audio and getting that right. Like 
the whole experience is cool. So you like being in the studio then? I do. I do actually. Oh, that's, that's cool. See, cause a lot of times you, you, you get artists who are either really love being in the studio or really love being live on the stage. And you don't always get people that like both. Yeah, I definitely like both worlds. So I, I know music is, is, is what I'm supposed to be doing that, for sure. And one of your albums has been uh, nominated for a Grammy. It was uh, nothing but the best. From the country Behind a sugar cane Where they do their own thing And she just can't refuse it music She likes to move her feet, yeah To the Zydeco beat That girl wanna dance all night long That girl wanna dance in my favorite song Leaving all her troubles and worries at home Yeah, that was nominated. How do, tell me how, what that process is like. How do you find out that you're nominated for a Grammy? And well, well, that particular year, uh, so the CD came out and then you submit it, right? And then there's two rounds of voting. Well, at that time, after we submitted, I think we submitted it. And then like maybe three, three months later, you're supposed there's a first round of voting. Okay. Well, so so much was going on for me at that time. I completely forgot to vote for myself. Oh no! <laughs> you can, I did, so so you submit something and then you can actually vote for yourself. Yeah, I mean you have to be a member, a voting member. Wow! But yeah, you can vote for yourself. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but like the first round, I missed it. Oh, like with like with gigs and other stuff going on, <laughs> like I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and then one night, like uh, after that my phone just started buzzing and going off like, congratulations, congratulations. I'm like, for what? Like, I didn't know for what. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah, sure. I guess. Send. <laughs> yeah. And then somebody says, put it on the news, put it on the news. And there it was. It was all the nominees. I'm like, whoa. When I say unexpected, that I mean just that. <laughs> Man, and that was a 2012, right? Yeah. So, so what category was it? That was uh, Regional Roots. Oh, cool. See, and that's, nope. that's one of the other th- cool things about this podcast is, is that I, I find out about all these different things, like these different Grammy categories, different genres, things mm-hmm. that I haven't listened to very often, like, like Zydeco and like the yeah. Agent Creole stuff. Regional Roots, is, is that a, is it a, like a, a what word is it? Words are escaping me today. Is it a, very, is it a really competitive class? I imagine you, you got a lot of people yeah. submitting uh, stuff for that. Yeah, there's a lot of Cajun Zydeco. There's yeah. uh, uh, Hawaiian music. Um, basically, anything that's um, that's rootsy, you know, kind of folk on the folk level. Okay, that that, that goes in there. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and I, I asked you a little earlier about how Zydeco ha- has evolved a little bit, and I wanted to ask you about there's one song that i heard that i thought was really cool the from your last album dragon's blues yeah that is a cool freaking track Thank you. 
I, you don't hear a whole lot of, and, and, and maybe it's just what I've listened to. I have not heard a lot of blues with, with an accordion like that. Yeah. And that, that was just me. I was like, you know what? Turn, turn it on, turn the machine on. And I just was playing, just improvising. The engineer was like, let me put something cool. I'm going to put like some, some rain noise behind you. Like, like you're playing on a back porch in, in, a, in the middle of a storm or something. Man, that, that, okay. So that, that's what that was. That worked out. It is one of the coolest tracks on that album. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> I really like that. I've, and like I said, I've never really heard accordion based blues before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. So, and I, so, but that's, that's what I like is, is that you, you're combining, you, you're combining the two genres to kind of advance. Yeah, that actually kind of advances both of them because it's two things that I never heard of together before. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, that's the uh, a Clifton Chenier recipe. That's, that's what he did a lot. He just combined a lot of blues in what he was doing, which put him on the blues scene and on the blues circuit. That's why he was able to tour with Etta James and, and tour with uh, Albert Collins and Albert King and B.B. King. Man. You know, all those guys like that. He, he brought all that together. I am learning a lot. <laughs> so I imagine... You're out playing a lot. So do you, do you stay regional or do you try to tour? Well, you know, when you can tour at this point, yeah. do, you, do you stay regional or are you on the road a lot? We, we tour more than we, we play at home. Um, wow. we, we do the, the local festivals when we're here. And uh, even if we're out of town, we'll fly back in and do, you know, the regular festivals and, and hit, head back out. But cool. like last year, around this time, we was we went on a blues cruise. So we flew to San Diego and the cruise went down to Mexico and came back. Ooh. Did that. We came home for like a few days and went to Switzerland for a week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, man, like I've been to Russia. I've been to uh, Paris three or four times. I've been to Germany, uh, London. Malaysia, um, what else? Wow. Netherlands, uh, Alaska. So how did <laughs> how did the how did the Zydeco go over in Russia? You know that was an interesting trip because when the the call came in, first I thought it was a joke, right? Yeah, imagine. I thought somebody had like a fake Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't I didn't call back for like a few days. <laughs> then they called back again, and I find it's real. So, but then, but then when I found it was real, I turned it down. I was like, I don't want to go to Russia, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but then uh, a good friend of mine, Terrence Simeon, you know, I talked to him, he said, go. So I called the guy back in the nick of time before he got anybody else. I said, I'll go. Wow. And so they lined it up and we went there and it was nothing like what I thought. Like when we got there, they picked us up in this big tour bus. Oh, cool. I mean, a big tour bus that gave us bodyguards. Each musician had their own personal bodyguard. Wow. They, they put us up in a five-star hotel. Each musician had their own room, didn't have to share. Oh my gosh. Then we get to the gig and everybody just wanted to come talk to us. It like it was like Prince was in town. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh the Prince is Idaho. <laughs> well, you kinda well, are. I mean, you're you're royalty, right? I'm working on it. <laughs> But that, that, I've never seen that, you know, and they wouldn't let us carry our own uh, luggage. They oh carried it for us. Jeez. I, I'm, I, now I want some Russian dude to call me about podcasting in Russia. Yeah. That would be amazing. 
and I, I knew we was back home when we landed back in New Orleans and our shit was still sitting in the car. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're home. <laughs> uh, pick up your own shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's home. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but that that was a great trip, man. That was a great trip. Were, were the audience receptive in Russia to the to the music? They they liked it so much to after our set, we played an early set. But they liked it so much that somebody went to a club that night and arranged for us to go play. And oh. when we went it was like an underground club. So we went in the club, we had to go down oh. where it was at. we went down. It was a full stage, PA, drums, keyboards, guitars. I mean, wow, everything, the full setup. We played and we played till the walls were sweating. (laughs) Ah, That's awesome. The walls were sweating. And then another guy came with with a bucket and he was getting people to to donate tips. Right. We made like an extra, I don't know, that night, probably an extra $4,500 just in tips. Wow. Extra. God, I gotta go to Russia. But but this is the funny. <laughs> we was playing so much, nobody left. It kept getting more people. It kept getting more packed, more packed. Till wow. finally, our tour guy had to come in there and stop us and say, "Y'all gotta be at the airport in two hours." <laughs> oh wow! We had played all night. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. So I saw I saw a video, and and I don't know, if, were you guys doing this when you're in Russia? I saw the video. Uh, you got a one of the guitarists is doing the talk box. Oh yeah, that was uh, uh, Chad. He was playing guitar with us then. That was, I, don't, I don't think that was in Russia, but yeah, he was playing the talk box. So, I mean, were you guys doing that in Russia? That kind of that kind of stuff. We we hadn't done that yet in Russia. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That was really cool. I, Another, like you said, like you're saying, you know, another way of advancing and bringing it a little, a little more modern. I guess talk boxes coming in and out of fashion a lot, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> the, actual, the first Zydeco band to, to bring the talk box was a guy named Bojak. Okay. When was that? That was... Uh, 70s, maybe? No, that was mid 90s. Oh, wow. Okay. And actually, the, his guitar player that was doing the talk box was also my cousin. Jeez. <laughs> So there we go again. Man, it's just in you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. All right, so the, the new album, mm-hmm. it's, uh, let me see, it is what? It's just 10 tracks, mm-hmm. and you you do something a little different, which I thought was so cool and so sweet, was on Buchanan Lede Special, and mm-hmm. I think it's Nina's Hot Step. You'd have a little introduction for both yeah. of those. Yeah, yeah. That was really awesome. And tell me a little bit about why you, you chose to actually do a little spoken introduction for both of those. Okay. Uh, for Buchanan, of course, that's my grandfather. Yeah. And I just, I want people, I'm really proud of the fact that my grandfather played with Clifton Chenier. But even before that, before he even got to Zydeco, they was doing early jazz music. Like when jazz was just getting developed, like in the early 1900s, my yeah. grandfather and all his cousins, all my cousins were in that. And they had jazz bands all over, um, like Parks, St. Martinville, Lowerville, New Iberia. Right. It was part of starting jazz, literally. And then my wow. great-grandfather played with Bunk Johnson on the upright bass. Oh, wow. So this is, when I did that, I just, I want to tell the world 
who my grandfather is. I want to tell the world who my great grandfather is, what they've done, where it comes from. And actually, uh, Louis Michel found a book. He said one day he was cleaning his house and this book fell from the shelf in the op- in open position. And he just happened to glance at it and it had my grandfather's name on that page. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so he called me up. I went over there. I started reading it. And there we go. Wow. I've, I've just always heard the, the stories, but never seen anything documented about my people. Really? And that all the way back to the uh, late 1800s. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. <laughs> that's, and, and I'm still on cloud nine right now thinking about that. We and I should just, be. I want to share all that. So at the, at the beginning of that song, that's basically me telling everybody that who my grandfather was, what he did. I didn't even give the full story because that would take up the whole album. I just said that and just jumped into the music, right? Yeah, yeah. Right about now, I want to send this song out to Zydeco's first drummer, the very first drummer, which was my grandfather, Buchanan Ledet. He was back there with Clifton Chenier on Rockin' Doopsy and Furnace Arsenal all the way back there in the back in the days, y'all. So I want to send this out to my grandfather, Buchanan Ledet from Parks, Louisiana. Hey, Buse, ça c'est pour vous. And that's what I wanted to do. And then for the Nina Hot Step, um, at the time we was working on that, um, the, the album, of course, the pandemic hit and it just basically shut everything down and everybody had to be safe. So the studio was like, well, we can't have a full band in here, you know, because if the full band would go in there, they would have to go through and wipe everything down. Mic cables, mic stands, mics, wow. everything. And it was just too much. So we're like, we just we just hold off. Yeah. So I'm like, what if I just come in by myself? And it was like, I think we can do that. So okay. they set me on one side of the building and the engineer was on the other side of the building. So I just said, okay, roll. I'm just going to finish this album off the best way we can by myself. And I did Nina Hot Step. And then the other two, I played the accordion and jumped up, played the drums, played the washboard all by myself. Wow. Oh my gosh. So we just adapted to the, the situation. We, we wanted to do other songs, but we knew that, you know, it was going to be difficult to do that. Yeah. So I was like, you know what, let's just adapt to this and let's let's do it like this. This is how this music started off anyway. Yeah, so, that's that's true. That's fantastic. Now, how did you meet up with uh, Louis Michaud in the first place? Uh, I'm trying to see. Me and Louis have been knowing each other for a long time um, through gig. And I think I met him. Oh, man. I think I met him before I moved to Louisiana, actually. I think maybe oh, around wow. nine or 2000. Okay. And uh, it was in, I think, Fredericksburg, Texas, and the Lost Bayou Rambles was playing a crawfish festival all over there. So we met there, just kept in touch, and here we are. So the new album is coming out on, on uh, the Nouveau Electrique record yeah. label, right? His, his label. Yeah, yeah. When, did he have involvement in, in the engineering and the recording on it? Yeah, he did. Um, at the time, though, uh, they were playing other gigs, other places, so he couldn't physically be there. Okay. So what we would do is I would call him on the phone or FaceTime him and say, okay, this is what we got. Check it out. And he would listen to it and he would, you know, just kind of let me know, okay, do this or don't do that or speed this up or slow that down, you know, just kind of guiding us through. So he wasn't there physically, but he was there on the phone kind of getting it together. So he, was- he definitely has a good ear. Yo, yeah, I, I was lucky enough to have him on the show. What, uh, uh, gosh, a year ago, around around a year ago, and what a super nice guy. 
Oh yeah, you can't beat that. <laughs> no, no. Now the new album is there any? We touched on it a little bit, but is there a, a overarching theme to the album? Basically, like I said, when we found that book, that just really sparked a new flame within me. Yeah, and I want to share that with everybody. And but not only sharing that history with everybody because a lot of people don't know that it's like a lost history. So I want to bring that to the front line, but not only that. Um, so I, I've studied Zydeco and I know Zydeco, but now I want to learn the music that my ancestors played before there was even Zydeco, oh. which is like early jazz, bebop, swing. Like that was the music of the day between like the late 1800s to mid 1900s. So I'm learning that. Also learning the language where my dad is from, where my people are from parks. They speak a different kind of French from like, if somebody was to speak French from the Eunice area where, uh, where we really, yeah, it's a slight uh, difference for where, what we speak is called Coup Vini. Okay. And it's more of a, a, a slang. Like for example, to you know, to greet somebody, regular French is uh, like como ça va. But the way we would say, we'd say como toye. Oh, okay. So there's a little, little different to it. Interesting. Okay. So I'm learning that. And that's why half of this record is in, in Cootie Vini. And I think the next record, the follow-up out of this one, I think is going to be full Cootie Vini. Oh, <laughs> nice. That's a challenge, man. That's that's pretty ambitious. Yeah, yeah. And you knowing my dad speaks it, but my um, my generation, um, that him and, and people in his generation, they didn't want to teach the kids because they when they want to speak what they want to speak, they didn't want us to know what they were saying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But he... He speaks it. All his his siblings speak it. Everybody, they all speak it. Now, uh, th this album is just coming out, and now I'm excited for the next one too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not. I'm. I would love to say some of these titles, but I would. I don't really want to butcher them. But <laughs> you've got. So you've got what? Is it? It's there's a. Uh, one, two, so there's, there's four of the 10 tracks are titled in, what, what is it called again? How do you, how do you say that? It's called Cudi Vini. Cudi Vini. Yeah. Oh man. Awesome. And, uh, you know, they're sung in it and it's, but I don't even want to try to say, I mean, all right, I'm going to, maybe I will, maybe I will. Let's see. All right. So I'm walking. How do you, how do you pronounce that? I'm walking in, in Cudi Vini. Montmaché. Montmaché. Oh, okay. See, I would have, I would have completely butchered that. <laughs> and then you've got Call Me. How do you, how's that? Tellement. Oh, that one was easy because that's pretty much yeah. how it's spelled out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I Miss and Stop Your Noise. So. I Miss is uh, Montmaché. Montmaché. And, and then, you know, it's Arrête ton train. Arrête ton train. Yeah. All right, I, I need practice for sh for sure. But uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and this, the completely honest, my favorite tracks are "I'm Walking." I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna butcher it. And and the Buchanan Lede special. Oh, cool! Thank you. I appreciate that. It, even without the intro, I thought it was fantastic. But with the intro, it just makes it so much more special. Yeah, and that's that's what I wanted. I'm. I'm I'm really blessed to be from the, the, the family that I'm from. And I just want, I want the world to know it. Well, I think they need to, because it's such a huge legacy that I'm, I'm 
just I've just scratched the surface on. And it's that's the kind of stuff I love is to to dig deep on on that kind of stuff and find the connections and and and, all. Yeah. and I'm I'm not even involved in it. So, <laughs> well, cool, man. I just, same here for me. Especially finding all this, I just want to go as deep as I can and bring it to the front line. Well, how can people find the album? It's out January fourteenth. Is is the uh, release fifteenth? January okay, January fifteenth. I miss. I think I fat fingered that one on my notes. <laughs> So, okay, so January 15th, it's out. Where can people find it? Uh, how can they order it and pick it up? Uh, right, right now, you can pre-order it on uh, NouveauElectricRecords.com. Okay, and do you and or your band have a social media presence that people can find? And if hopefully things open up and you start touring again, people can um, follow you and, and find out where you're playing. Yeah, uh, so for Facebook, it's just uh, Corey Ledet Zydeco or Lede Zydeco. Okay. <laughs> the, so let, let, let's let's talk about my last name. Yes, let's do it. So my last name is is pronounced Lede because the ET in French is pronounced A. Right. So it's Lede. But a lot of people, some people spell it L-E-D-A-Y, how it sounds. Uh. And then some people, when they see the ET, they just say Ledet. But okay. the French term is Lede, but Ledet is fine. Yeah. <laughs> But the Ledet is English and then Ledet is French. Okay. Okay. So I had uh, Louise Cousins on the Rayo brothers. Yeah. And they had to do the same thing with their last name. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they told me they were going out to gigs and it, it's uh, it spelled like R-E-U-X or something like that. But it's, it's pronounced Rayo. And yeah. it, People were getting it wrong even down there and then so they just spelt it out r-a-y-o to avoid confusion and that kind of just stuck so <laughs> welcome to louisiana yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well Corey, thank you so much this has been a blast it's been so cool going back and, and learning all this history about your family and and how you're connected to the history of some of the truly original american musical forms well, thank you. I appreciate it. And like I said, I'm, I'm really proud of it and I'm happy to share it with everybody. All right, y'all. What we're going to do right now in the middle of making this project around spring of 2020, the world fell into a pandemic and it's very serious. And we were urged to practice social distancing. So right now the band is not in the studio and don't worry, the engineer is way on the other side of the building. So we're good. And I'm on this side of the building. So we're good. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to finish off this album by myself, by my lonesome Montusseur. And here we go.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 